。我嘅名系 Isabel Tan， 我系一个作家。我个作品系《皱纹的价值》。Hi， I'm Isabel. My good friends call me Belle， and I am Asian American. My story is that I grew up in a multi-generational household and grew up in the same household as my grandparents. Today is the second episode of the Asian American series of the Value of Wrinkles podcast. Whatever age that you're at or consider yourself to be, whether that's young, youngish, midlife, older, or maybe you just call yourself old, you are welcome here. Let's explore how to love the older generation and ourselves more. This entire series of podcast episodes is sponsored by AARP. AARP is an organization that is dedicated to helping people as they age. They have a ton of resources, guides, and articles to help you age and to help you care for your older loved ones as they age. In my show notes, which is essentially where I put all the notes and links of things that I mention in each episode, that's where I'm going to have a link to the resources that AARP provides free of charge for caregivers. So be sure to get those links and resources by going to valueofwrinkles.com/listen and then click on episode 51. Well, welcome, friends. Today, I pulled out some of my Cantonese. That's Canto for today's intro. I mentioned in the last episode, episode fifty, that I have a resource. I have something that I've been working on, and I'm trying to translate it into several Asian-speaking languages. I've been really working hard on it. It's taking a ton of time, but I am pushing along. One of the languages that I'm trying to translate this resource into is Cantonese. That is a dialect that is spoken by、um, mostly people in Hong Kong and southern China, and that's the language that I grew up speaking with my grandparents and my parents. Didn't always do a great job of trying to learn it, and didn't always pay attention in Chinese school. But I am determined to be able to say the whole video that I recorded in English into Cantonese by my 40th birthday, which is in. Less than a month. <laughs> Can I do it? I honestly don't know, but I have been practicing, and I, like I said, I'm pushing along. So, wish me luck. Say some prayers. If you want to get this resource now in English, it is a resource that will help you to have the conversations about the future with your older loved ones, with your parents, with your grandparents. That's not an easy thing, which is why I created this resource. It is part of my prepare to care. Digital course, and I pulled it out, and I'm sharing it with you all for free, and I'm going to translate that as well. So you can grab that resource now if you want in English at valueofwrinkles.com/talk, and you're going to be hearing more about that coming soon. So, can you tell me what your favorite food is? I'm in the DC area, and there are so many choices of what types of food you can eat. I mean. There are so many different restaurants with so many different cuisines. On top of that, you can pretty much make anything that you want by searching it on YouTube. And if you're like me, then you can waste a lot of time on Instagram looking at videos and reels from influencers who make food 
taste food, take pictures of food. I figured, you know, why not bring food into the conversation here on the Value of Wrinkles podcast? The truth is that food, it impacts the well-being and it impacts the quality of life of our lives, but also the quality of life and well-being of our elders. It's just food. So it seems like it's just a small thing when it comes to caregiving and loving our older loved ones. But if you are caring for your papa, gong gong, mama, yeah, yeah, Lola, Lolo, Nai Nai, uh, your grandparent, Grampy, um, I don't know all the names, or even your spouse. And if you're in Western culture, like in the US or Canada, you're probably really well aware that the food your elder eats is not usually the same food. Like the food they usually eat on a regular basis and they love is probably not usually the same food they serve in hospitals or senior care communities and all. It's probably very different. And so that causes a problem when our loved ones go to the hospital. It causes a problem when we have to find an assisted living facility for them or a nursing home to care for them as they recover. Food matters. With Mama, which is my paternal grandmother in particular, I remember how she loved Chinese soup. She loved dan dan or dan nai, which is steamed milk and or steamed um, steamed egg or steamed milk, and that's like a dessert. She loved um, hong dao sa, which is like red bean soup. She loved Hong Dao Jok, which is red bean kanji, and she liked kanji in general. And basically, if you just fed her one of her favorites, it was a good day for Mama. Food can make such a difference in boosting the mood and helping your loved ones stay healthy, right? So today, I invited Felicia Gunawan, a friend of mine, to have a conversation with me about food and how it can impact our older loved ones. I think you're going to find this conversation helpful, insightful, fun, and maybe it will give you some inspiration to cook up or learn some new recipes that you can share with your older loved one. So let's just get in to today's episode with Felicia Gunawan. Welcome, Felicia. I'm so glad that you're here to join us. Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so humbled for the opportunity. Thanks for having me. So Felicia... For the people who are listening, can you give them a little bit of background first, like of maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, sure. um, maybe where you've lived, um, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. So yeah. Go- so um, I was born actually in Mississippi, but uh, one year old, I moved back to Indonesia. I grew up in a city called Samarang. If you guys know the Jaffa Island part of Indonesia, it's the central part of that island. Um, So I moved back to the States for college. Um, So I feel like I really value the experience of growing up in Indonesia because it's a very diverse culture in terms of food, the religious groups, the cultures and everything. We've been, you know, thought to respect each other's differences. And then, and I also studied uh, pre-medicine in bachelor's uh, degree. And then I have master's in nutrition. It's actually uh, human nutrition and functional medicine. So a little bit about that functional medicine is basically 
we care about the root cost of disease, um, more like prevention instead of um, sick care. We're more doing more like prevention and how to see things and connect all the symptoms and um, trying to tie all together to the root cause of certain diseases. With that in mind, also considering like people's, you know, lifestyle, diet, and then their stress level, their not just food. So basically everything about themselves and considering all everything about them. So it's really holistic, it sounds like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It includes everything. Right. Can you tell me then, what is it that drew you to working in the nutrition field or like interested in this? I think subconsciously, I think influenced by my mom, she's always been like, she always blend this weird combination juice (laughs) every day with, with like the actual everything, sex smoothies, basically. Um, But it's not like the typical Western smoothies that looks great, smells great. It's just like everything that she can blend, she'll just blend. It felt like a torture because she would pour it into like a very big, like a beer type of glass, you know, uh-huh. that beer glass, the big one. And we have to chuck it like so every morning. Yeah, like me and my brother. So I think that and then just like the awareness itself within growing up within the family of like, oh, don't eat a lot of sugar, you know, not try not to, you know, reward me a lot with sugars and try to be careful with that. And then just just overall, she's not religiously like health freak. But she, I think subconsciously she influenced that. And then in school, um, I think one of the classes that really opened my eyes and fascinates me is when I took the biochemistry mm-hmm. course, when we have, to, we can, you know, all everything ties together, the biology, the, bi- the biology class and the chemistry class connect in that um, course. And you able to learn more about how your body works basically all the enzymes and how the body processor and things it just fascinates me so and then when I'm looking for a master's degree program and then read more about this you know different approach of nutrition care through functional medicine lens it really captivates me and just really you know it's just took off from there yeah Yeah. so interesting (laughs) I love how your mom like it seems like she was the she she as a mother and mm-hmm. it, I feel like this is common right you want to you want your family to be healthy so almost yes. the the mom often is like the family nutritionist right <laughs> yes yes but I, I love how she just threw everything into a blender <laughs> or smoothie and yeah that sounds really interesting I don't I don't know if my kids would do that but <laughs> <laughs> one thing that I noticed like in college, like hanging out with our friends, we like to cook a lot or like eat out a lot. Like I, I'm not that religious or like, oh, it has to be all the rainbow. No, like I'm living my life. I'm trying to enjoy my life too with food and connect with people through food. But my friends often comment about how, oh, Felicia is so healthy. She always try to eat veggie. I'm like, (laughs) Uh, you it know, part of your life. Yeah, it's part of me, but I don't think I'm that 
like healthy, healthy nuts, you know, freak, because I've seen people out there who's like more, you know, restricting. Very extreme. Yeah, very extreme than myself. But you're very realistic, which is what I like. (laughs) Yeah. So I think, so what I'm trying to say is like, it's just become me, becomes my nature and the way I see things. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on for this series is because when we talk about like caring for our grandparents or parents, and I think in Asian culture, like there was a lot of grandchildren who are involved in like supporting Mm -hmm. their grandparents or even different elders. One of the first times we talked, you talked to me about food and how hard it is for, you know, older people to get food, even if they know what's good for them, right? Mm -hmm. Like going out shopping for that, um, for the things that they need, right. To be able to eat a healthy meal or have a Mm -hmm. healthy meal. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk to you and just kind of delve into that topic of like what the role of food is. We know that physically it helps us. Right. Mm -hmm. And we can talk Mm -hmm. about that later, Mm -hmm. but what is the other connections that we have with food and how does that affect like how we care for our older loved ones. Yeah, I think we need to raise the awareness of the importance of the other aspect of food in terms of just it, for our health, fueling our body. It also have other aspect, which is the emotional aspect. Um, it's so funny when you said all that earlier, this thing pop up in my head, by the way, it was like, my parents are planning to visit me because I'm about to give birth soon. And my mom made a comment like, no offense, everyone, but she said, (laughs) oh, I think I prefer an Asian airlines because, you know, the food is warm and it just make it so much better when if it's a western airline a lot of them are like cold sandwich and it's just just not it's just just not a pleasant experience for the trip itself so right so well let's talk about food right so the emotional part of food i think food is the primary need in in human right Mm -hmm. other than place to live and other things like clothing so Food is what fuel us and it's very important. Mm-hmm. And regardless the emotional connections for some people, it can give them a negative. It can associate with negative memories, but it can also associate with positive memories or happy mm-hmm. memories. So there's another aspect. We've, if we think about baby, all they need during the first few months of their life or just milk right so the majority of the the time they're crying upset fuzzy or just just they simply get comforted by you know breast milk right so it's that that emotional aspect and we think look we think back now um let's say when we get sick we always sometimes tend to feel like oh I want chicken soup, you know, like I want whatever it is that your mom used to give you when you're sick. Right. So, and we see also, I feel like 
what I observe in society, I feel like in especially in Asian culture, mm-hmm. um, a lot of our gatherings and fellowship are revolves around food too, right? Mm-hmm. So it has food also uh, have that connection aspect to connect people, uh, re- make people more relaxed, you know, or be comforted. So I'm not saying that food is the sole solution for our emotional distress. I'm just saying that food has the ability to give us comfort, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of times what I see in my my people, like older generation and my um, group of people, they tend to, they prefer like having Asian food, right? So, so what type of food, um, at least in Indonesia, is like uh, when you're sick, what type of thing would you eat? Uh, I think majority of soup, soup stuff Mm -hmm. chicken soup like our style chicken soup or like definitely congee now it's it's like it can be slightly different because in indonesia there's a lot of ethnic groups but my family uh, my ancestors came from china so a lot of our food a lot of time are more like chinese oriented Mm -hmm. chinese indonesian cuisine basically Um, yeah so like you'll have like maybe like ginger tea or like we also adopt like other culture, Indonesian culture thing, like where they make this type of drink that they have lots of herbs in it, along with ginger and then cinnamon and um, mm-hmm. they add a bunch of stuff. So those are the common thing that they'll they'll have when they're sick. Yeah. So I love how you say, you know, I, well, you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of like in at least in Chinese culture, like very traditional Chinese culture, if you have a baby, right, they often make you this, I don't even, I've never been given it, but my sister-in-law, like they have to have this like yeah, really gross and it's like brown and I think it's like (laughs) feet and all this other stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And it's like got a lot of nutrition in it. And then they make tons of these soups, right? Yes. Share with is it for you or to share? I don't even know. Well, they tend to make, like you said, in a large batch. Uh-huh. So sometimes the house member ended up having them <laughs> it too, um, like your spouse. And yeah, yeah. So that's why it ended up become everyone at home having it, not just you. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like that's, well, I guess for, in terms of comfort, right? Foods that help us to feel safe or comfort us like yeah you know yeah like we're saying memories or yeah in terms of that let's say let's talk about that herbal soup postpartum herbal soup I think that's also a language of love yeah from whoever made it mm-hmm. for the mom it's to say hey I care for you this is a really good stuff and then I know this is going to be good for you and comforting for you it's warm uh, I want you to have it, right? Because my mom also told a story when she gave birth to me, it was just her and my dad and my older brother. But then she was part of this like um, Asian church. Um, and then there was this couple from Taiwan that keep making this chicken soup thingy with herbal stuff in it. Um, to my mom almost every day and it's just overwhelming for her because it's like 
I get so bored with all this chicken soup, but she knows that it's the language of love, right? In an Asian culture, food is also a language of love. I, I think that's actually important for a lot of maybe like second generation Asian Americans to remember, because mm-hmm. I think sometimes my grandparents would always say, have you eaten in Cantonese? Mm-hmm. And they always ask you that. And you're like, stop asking me. I already, eat. but <laughs> remember that it's, it's not so much what they're asking. Like, did you eat? Mm-hmm. It's not even so much that they care about that. It's that they mm-hmm. care that we're, you know, they care for us. Yes. It's more of when they feed us, when they give mm-hmm. us food, when they bring us something, even if it's not something that we necessarily love or like, they're mm-hmm. just trying to show us right. care and love. Right. Why don't we go into the nutrition part? Sure. I'm really, I'm really interested in just finding out what type of nutrition is important to focus on when somebody is getting older. Yeah. So I think we need to focus a lot on protein, right? Okay. So it can be any protein from fish, chicken, beef, because it has a lot of amino acid, B, vitamin B12, mm-hmm. and it's what's needed for the muscles too. A lot of time, that's what happen a lot with elderly person they they don't build their muscles anymore but they need that right so protein is really needed and it also help a lot with has something to do with the osteoporosis too with their muscles so that leads me to the second thing that's important calcium so a lot of times i think a lot of the treatment protocol prevention protocol nowadays once you hit certain age you have to do a bone scan density yeah yeah. so that's a good thing too but that's why calcium is very important vitamin D, vitamin A. So iron and vitamin B12, those are the iron, vitamin A, vitamin B12. You can easily found that in, you know, protein, meat source. And if you, if you don't, if you're someone that's not, is a vegetarian or vegan, you need to find, you know, a good source, or you probably just need to consult with somebody who can really help you to really focus on getting the good source of those things, the B12 and the protein. Right. Is also, what does that do? (laughs) Yeah. So vitamin B12, you can find that a lot in, well, a lot of vegetables, seeds, nuts too, but you can find it a lot in meats. Vitamin B12 involves a lot in, along with other Bs, vitamin Bs, but it's very important in a lot of our body's metabolic processes, right? In our gut. It's just think about like in our body, there's millions of different metabolism processes happening right now as we live, right? So when you think about a cycle of metabolic process, a lot of times of the ingredient in quote, or the cofactors that's needed is vitamin B12. Um, So um, it's very important. It has something to do with muscle. It has something to do with hormone. It has something to do with a lot of things, um, especially. So that's another, a lot of things that um, adults needs to focus on. Can I stop you for a second and ask you like when it comes to foods like an Asian culture, what type of foods, like I'd love to just brainstorm and think about like, yeah, the foods have, for example, like, like like actual concrete to think of. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I actually thought about that. You can have, for example, like black pepper beef, Mm -hmm. right. 
You can have black pepper beef that actually comes with peppers, red, green peppers with onions, right? Mm -hmm. So that itself give you the um, protein. protein source and also all the, you know, when you think about vegetables, you see all the colors, especially the red ones, you know, this, those anthocyanin, the active ingredients that gives color to the vegetables, those also give um, you know, health benefits to your body. The fibers from the vegetables also give benefit for their digestion, right? Calcium, you can also obtain it not only from dairy, cow's milk, you can also find it a lot in dark leafy greens, vegetables. So, so a lot of the Asian Chinese. Yeah, yeah, right. So snow pea leaves, or you can just stir fry it with garlic or I talk about a little bit about kailan earlier. Um, you just chop it and then have it with your homemade meatballs, or you make that shrimp, pork shrimp wonton, and have that bunch of kailan ghost into your soup together. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have, you know, minced pork, green beans, right? So there's a lot of, yeah, like you said, in Asian culture, there's a lot of and tofu. Yeah, yeah. So you can do green bean green bean tofu too, right? That's because I'm thinking dairy, a lot mm-hmm. of like lactose intolerance is actually right. quite common in a lot of Asians. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was trying to think of different things like not non-dairy things for the calcium mm-hmm. and then also protein. Like I, I don't know if meat is that uncommon <laughs> with Asians. It's kind of big. Well, so. you know, there are some Asian beliefs, like the Buddhist people, they tend to be vegetarian, right? Um, so that's why I mentioned what kind that. Of foods do they eat then to get that protein? Mushrooms has a lot of protein, okay. you know, and then you said soy products like tofu has a lot. Um, but when it comes to when you're elder, I think personally, you just need to consult with somebody to incorporate that more. When I say that, it, it means will that person will most likely, in quote, prescribe that person to take certain supplements that will help to boost more because mm-hmm. they're not getting it from. And bone broth, too, is a very good. I'm just talking in general example for Asian dish. Uh, bone broth is very healthy and you can make like. Um, that you know put bunch of like beef ribs or pork ribs chopped in slow cooker mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, and then become bone broth and then put bunch of garlics in it and then a little bit of gingers and when you have it so a lot of people will mix a little bit of radish too in it in our case with like having more veggies we can add more veggies too in that dish well thank you for coming on the podcast today just thank you like from your background your expertise like I really really appreciate it and if somebody wants to find out more about your work where would they go is there a website they can go to or yeah so I have a website called agathon health aga t as in tom h-o-n as in nc health.com agathon means good um so it uh, it's a greek word of good um because i do believe that everything that god's created is good and it's for our good um so i i hope that what i do will influence in people producing people's good health 
I don't have any podcasts right now, like the value of wrinkles, but hopefully in the future, because right now I'm just focusing on having a baby soon. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm Thank so excited you. for you. So I will put your website, I'll put agathon.com in the show notes of our podcast episode so that people can find you. Sure. Thank and you. To this episode. So thanks, Felicia. You're welcome. Thank you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode, episode 51 of this Asian American series. Well, Felicia and I talked for a long time before and during and after this recorded conversation. And I feel like after she has our baby, I would really love to do some type of class or course with her because food, it is everything to our elders. Um, and I think it makes such a huge difference. If you love talking about food, then in the show notes, I'm going to link to episode 18. Feels like a long time ago, but episode 18 is titled Loving Our Grandparents Through Food. I had done this series way back, starting at episode 10 on the five love languages. Well, then I realized that there is another love language that especially Asians often use to communicate love, and that is food. So I added an extra episode in that series, and that is episode 18. So be sure to click on the link in the show notes to listen to episode 18 on loving our grandparents and parents through food. That is it for episode 51 of the Value of Wrinkles podcast. This is the second episode of the Asian American series that I'm doing. And I'm wondering, are you enjoying it? Have you found it helpful? If you have found today's episode helpful, would you review this podcast? I know you hear me say this all the time, but would you review it wherever you listen to podcasts? It really helps raise the voice of Asian American podcasters like myself. And even more, when you review my podcast, it helps other Asian American caregivers find this podcast who might not be able to find it otherwise. Being Asian and caring for an Asian parent or grandparent, it is different. And so I hope this series is something that you would review and then share it. Please share it with any other Asian adult children or grandchildren in your circle. Stay tuned for next week's episode where I'm going to answer the question that everybody's always asking, which is what senior care resources are out there for Asian families and their elders. So stay tuned and I look forward to seeing you next episode.